Welcome to the Women on the Rise podcast. I'm Jen Blandos, the founder of Female Fusion, and this is where we look at everything entrepreneurship for female entrepreneurs. Whether you are just getting started or you have a seven or eight figure business, we cover the topics that matter most to you as you are building, growing, and scaling your business. Welcome to another episode of Women on the Rise. And today I'm sitting down with Elaine Jones. And Elaine Jones is a woman who I've wanted to have on the podcast from the very beginning. And the reason is that she's a bit special to me. She is one female entrepreneur who I've always looked up to and who I think is someone that we can learn so much from, from all of her wisdom and what she's done in business. So Elaine, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much for those very kind words. Much appreciated. Well, I'm so happy to have you. And I know that when we finish the interview, everybody will know why I, I, I see you as a mentor and I look up to you so much because you are so wise in the world of business. Before we experienced (laughs) experienced you're experienced you're wise you've done remarkable things in your career um why don't you tell everybody a bit about who you are and what you've done okay well for all I've done it's because I've had support support from family which is critical to be able to be successful in my belief or support of someone who's there behind you all the time makes a huge difference but I came to Dubai when I was 21 as a newlywed and um, I took a a job with a real estate company because it had a car because we actually didn't have much uh, obviously at those times makes sense so (laughs) I took this job as a car to be the villa lady well I'm not particularly a good salesperson but I did quite enjoy it until some of the experiences of that were quite remarkable, quite interesting. They're interesting stories for another day. But then my husband said to me, I don't know, you work so hard. Why are you working for other people? You should have your own business. And by that time, I'd moved into the field of property management, which is much more my bias, much more my way of doing things, very organised, very planned. I enjoy property management. It was something that matched my skill set and my personality. So I spoke to um, Sultan Suleim, well, Mohammed bin Suleim first, then Sultan bin Suleim, and he said, well, I think we've got a trade licence, which was Ahmed Suleim Trading Enterprises Company. And, of course, to answer that on the telephone was far too many words, so it became a Stico. And as time went by, uh, bearing in mind that property management was always our primary vertical, it was a Stico property management. Right. But as the town grew and as the uh, dynamics, uh, specifically of Dubai really for me, but then we we grew into all of the Emirates, as the markets changed, so we added different business verticals. So it made us, by the time I sold it in 2021, it was the largest private multidisciplinary real estate practice in the Emirates. But in part, that was because of longevity because we were established from the very beginning. But equally, you know, the effort you put in is what you get out. You reap what you sow. But it's also very important to note that the connectivity to the family, the Bin Slayan family in the early days, and then in 2004, which was really the big turning point for us, was when we were approached by an international company to take over Astico. And instead, we said, no, we will be engaging 
what I called the suits, to come on board to raise our level of professionalism. Right. So the company really became world-class, professional in 2004 because we had the suits join us. And as I know, um, many people also believe the real skill in having a successful business is in employing the right people yeah. or having the right people as part of your team. And one of the hardest things for business owners to do is get the team built. Absolutely. Right. But as with most industries, I would expect the world of real estate is very closely connected. Mm. So you would find, or I found, so I started, I engaged one gentleman and they all happened, well, they weren't all men, actually. The first tier were, then we managed to get some girls to come on board. But the connectivity of them to one another because they'd worked in other territories and we needed to be international because if that's one thing about the Emirates that sets us aside from the rest of the world is we are the most international and yeah. we are able and we work side by side and we don't have all sorts of issues that you might find in other territories. So we had a good mix. But equal to them are the team of people and I have employees, but of course it's not my company now, but I still have, or there are people who've been with Asteco for decades. So our troops were very dedicated. We ran the business very much as a family business is probably, well, it is. It was like a family business because people were included. We would do brainstorming. We would invite people for their ideas and implement them where they made sense. But that wasn't really common back no. in... 80s 90s even early yeah. 90s companies didn't do that it was well, we more always of, have from the top I tell you what to do no no well, you see that's never been my way because yeah. I grew the business we started at basics and because we were growing not only in size but type of business so as property management was the original cornerstone of the business because if you manage property then you know the demographic what people are prepared to pay what it costs yeah. to run the building it's data and data is key mm. which continues to be the case but by having that information then we could run the transactional team from one side we could we created the advisory team but with the implementation of RERA and anyway over the years trade licenses had different categories and because we were there, and because Astico were already doing these businesses, we managed to secure licenses. And by the time I sold the business, I had six different licenses, wow. which covered <laughs> everything real estate in the Emirates. Dubai, more than perhaps some of the other Emirates, we didn't have everything. But here, we had everything. And our database, and our knowledge, and because people have been with us for such a long time, we were king. Interesting. Very interesting. But you yeah. see how lucky I was. Where else in the world would we have been or would I have come in 1980? And, you know, the changes are enormous. Yeah. And I was quite involved with a lot of new Dubai. In old Dubai, all buildings would have had, most of the buildings on, on Shakeside Road, which was our main road, yes. would have had an Asteco input. Either we did the agency or we property managed or we helped with um, giving advisory on what to do with the plot. So that very special and was a very important strip of land in Dubai. Astico was involved in many, in a high percentage of those buildings. And you were involved in one of the biggest landmark property um, 
projects in the UAE. Maybe tell yeah. everybody a bit about that. And you see how exciting that was. Yeah. In, in and I presume you're talking about the palm. I am. We yeah. started in um, it would have been 1995. In 1995, we started working on Jablali. It was called Jablali Gardens. It's the estate behind um, what is now has Discovery Gardens. Da, 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 da. And the gardens was built to um, provide residential accommodation for people who were working at Jablali Free Zone. Right. Because at that time, they were traveling in from Sharjah or other places yeah. because the prices were different and what have you. And the gardens we developed was very much price conscious so that people could move there. Sorry, I've digressed a bit. But that was how things started with Jablali properties as it was in those yeah. days. Um, but in fact, the gardens apartments were finished just as Internet City was finished. So, in fact, we didn't meet the um, requirement. Anyway, that's by the by. For the palm, in, and it would have been about 96, 97, His Highness said to Sultan Suleyem, Mohammed Al-Abar and Mohammed Gagawi, Dubai needs more waterfront property. Come up with some ideas. And Sultan engaged with a gentleman called Walter, um, Warren Pickering, a New Zealand concept architect. Mm. And he started the designs that Sultan was going to submit to His Highness for the palm. And it's fascinating how the design for that island grew. So it was three developers who were told, Come up with your ideas. Come up with your ideas. Wow. Yeah. And do you remember what other designs there were? I wasn't wasn't, privy to them. So you didn't know? No, no, no. I I only knew what we were doing. Because obviously yeah. everything was extremely confidential. So Sultan used Estico offices. We gave the support that was necessary. There was a gentleman called Said Ahmed Said from um, Sultan's engineering team, very heavily involved. And we put together the scheme with using Halcro, Duckco and others. Yeah. And um, it was approved by His Highness in wow. 1999. That's right. Because in 2000... He approved it, and in 2001, it was first spoken about at ATM, the Arabian Travel Market. Wow. It's and interestingly then, His Highness also said, let's let's consider for Jablali as well as the Jumeirah palm, palm Jumeirah. Mm. And that's how it all came about. So that decade, that time, from 1990, late 1990s through to um, 2008, really, the number of innovative projects that Must were conceptualized. <laughs> well, but but to have a leader, to have a ruler, yeah. to have someone who is just so visionary, I mean, it's, it is remarkable. Yeah. You know, I, I come from a country called England where to get planning consent <laughs> to actually put a third runway at the airport, which is, in my opinion, Never gonna be vital happen. forever. It yeah. still hasn't been done. Yeah. Right. What is this? This is such a dynamic place. So very lucky to have been involved in that, the very exciting days. I mean, the people we met, the stories one could tell about the different personalities of when it was launched of for course. sale. It was such fun. I mean, it was mad, but such fun. And so, and then you were involved as well that Steco were was selling all of the well, plots no, on the Well, no, you palm, see, there's or? an interesting one because there was the debate about conflict of interest, which you can imagine from my perspective was not particularly welcome. Of but course. I understood it. 
So His Highness kindly, uh, we were given two roads that we were able to uh, properly broker, but otherwise we were on a cost plus basis. Oh. Anyway, that's fine. Okay. It was wonderful ex- opportunity. Yeah. Such fun. Met so many interesting people. Really, it was such fun. But what it meant then for Astika was that we met. We then started work for sub developers rather than for what then became Nikhil. Okay. Because it wasn't so complicated. Yeah, we yeah. could do the projects. And again, in that generation of time, we could do the complete sales management. So we, we had most wonderful software for doing sales. And um, we were, I, well, I hope we were. I'm sure there were times where people did things they shouldn't have done. But in the main, we tried to keep all our transactions as clean, clean as is absolutely possible by using good systems. Yeah. And that today, with the technology that's now available, is so much easier to do. Yeah. So, you know, I I don't have sympathy with organisations that have suffered where backhanders or or nonsense have gone on between brokers because if you use system, it's it's not not possible. possible. Yeah. So, you you know, people have got to understand the need for process, which, and I'm a very process person. I love things to be organised. It suits me very well. Business. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) It's so important. Oh. It's so important. And I, I'm surprised when companies don't make that a priority, yeah. right? Because yeah. it saves you time and money. Absolutely. Yeah. And also nowadays with the data collection, imagine for us as, a, as an advisory, the data we collected. And of course, it's on a note, we don't, you don't ever divulge anybody's name. Of course. But to know the nationality, the uh, age bracket, the income bracket, because you can sort of assess that by the amount of money people are spending either on rent or, or on sales. It's huge. Well, it helps you make better business of course decisions, it does. right? And for our clients, when it came to valuations, we have the data. We have data going all the way back, really, from probably the early 90s, because that was about the time that computers became properly um, <laughs> used in the business. I, yeah. I mean, I remember I had one of those great big desktop things yeah. um, from as early as 1985. But I think we were doing most things on Excel. Well, I don't know even if we had Excel sheets. Anyway, it was all very basic. But as you can imagine, nowadays, for all of the advisory firms, they use AI to to, to create yeah. um, model, models of what's happening and what have you. And just the sheer amount of data that we have available is huge. Yeah. It's fascinating. Is, it's, when you have that data, it, it just makes it so much easier to run your business. Yeah. And I wish that... More people would think about that sometimes when they're setting up and structuring their business as well. Did you find, so over all of the years from the 80s up until a few years ago when when you sold, did you find that it was tough being being a woman in in this industry or? Did you know not? No, because if you look at my main competitors in the early days, they were all women. In in the world of um, agency, a lot of my my, um, competitors were female. Mm. But equally, Dubai specifically has always had um, a strong female presence within um, the companies and the families that I've dealt with. Do you find... I've... I found this, so I, I haven't been in the region as long as you have, mm. been around for over 15 years. 
I would always hear from people, they'd be like, oh, you know, don't you find it hard working in the region, being a woman? And the thing that I felt is actually, I actually got more, more respect. respect. And I found it was easier to operate, even when I was operating in Saudi Arabia, even in the early days mm. when I would go meet government ministers no, in buildings where women weren't allowed, you would get more respect. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I've never, ever had an issue here. Never. It's interesting. I mm. haven't either, no. actually. I have had situations in Europe where I've been asked to make the tea or bring mm. in the coffee, mm. which is... Different. As a outspoken <laughs> woman can be, you have to hold your tongue and, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, in part, it's because, again, in one of the early meetings I had where the gentleman actually ran a bank or was a bank manager, but also looked after the family property. One of the early conversations I had with him was he said, you know, the most important person in the household is my mother. And if my mother wants something, she is my priority. So where you have a culture... Yeah. where your mother, which let's face it, as women, it is our obligation and duty to make sure that our sons behave the way that we think is acceptable. Of course. Because, because if we don't train them, nobody else is going yeah. to. So the fact that a woman is actually so highly regarded here within the family, I I think it's, I don't, I've never felt that it's been difficult being female. Mm. And in fact, you know, a lot of it is to do with your, the way you interact with people and uh, I, don't, I don't think it needs to be a problem. Yeah. No, I agree with you mm. as well. Mm. And so you sold a Stico a couple of years ago. That's right. It's, it, it's, been, it's been your career yeah. for how yeah. long? How did you know when it was the time to sell? Well, I was first approached in 2020, just before COVID and then COVID hit. So if when I was approached, I wasn't sure, by the time COVID came, really I felt, well, actually, <laughs> because equally, you know, I, had, I owned the company its entirety by that um, stage. I'd bought my other shareholders out. And I became aware that there are big movers in the market and really, for me to take the company to the next level, which in fairness is what it needed, it needed a good capital injection. Yeah. And did I have the appetite to take in venture capitalists or somebody else who would come in a partner with me when maybe some would consider me bossy? I don't know, but I'm also used to doing things my own way. So did I really have the energy and enthusiasm for that? Equally, for the employees, what COVID taught me was, and we had certainly one month, maybe six weeks, where the money stopped coming because people weren't paying rents and, uh, and yeah. our, our uh, management fees will be based on collections, et cetera, et cetera, and nobody was doing valuations, you can imagine. Yeah. And it dawned on me, and I've always believed that for every person you employ, you're actually responsible for 10 people. Yeah. And I just thought, well... Now what? Say, say that something different to COVID, but equally as paralyzing to the business or the way that it operated should occur. What do I do? I don't have, as an individual, I didn't feel um, at my age that I really wanted that responsibility. So timing was right, to be honest. Um, 
and, and from the employee's standpoint, to belong to a corporate, there's no risk that they won't get their salaries paid. And I right. always paid salaries. I yeah. never didn't. Even in, and in fact, one of my employees reminds me of this. In 1991, now was it 1991? I think it was. The Iraq-Kuwait invasion. The banks, something happened and we didn't have money. So we, we couldn't take money from the bank. And I can't for the life of me remember, it, remember why. But Varghese, who was with me for over 20 years, he said, Elaine, don't you remember? You took the money from petty cash and whatever money you had so that each of us could have enough money to do what we needed to do until the bank, until the cash flow, came, the money came. I mean, we had the money, but we, yeah, we didn't but physically the banks have it. Bought it. And, you know, I don't actually remember it, but he reminded me. He said, you know, you made sure that we all had enough money to do whatever it was we needed to do for the 10 days or 15 days. Yeah. It wasn't wrong. Um, that there was some hiccup with, with something or other. But I know that with the new owners, the employees are under no risk from that perspective. Equally, they have an opportunity that I couldn't give them. They are now within an organisation where they can come in as an intern and they can retire as a director of this, that, of a, of a, yeah. whether it be valuation or executive director of finance or legal, you know. The potential now for those staff, and you think in all my years, I employed over 900 people. Do you think of those now who want a proper career and to be in a corporate environment, they have that opportunity, Great. which I don't think I could have given. Yeah. Equally, I probably made a mistake and I should have stayed more present because the transition was very difficult. From a family, collaborative, everybody respected, got on with everybody all the time, to a very corporate environment it was quite shocking. Really? And so a lot of the employees struggled with that? to go Yes, because it was very different. Yeah. You know, and, and I probably, if I had known, if I had my time again, mm -hmm. which is something you might ask, yeah. I would definitely have been more involved for certainly the first six months. Okay. Because I think it would have made it easier for the company who bought us and for the employees who were part of the company. And so when they, when you were bought out, did you exit right away? Yes. Or so you didn't stay around, you didn't do an earn out? I remained, I remained as an advisor. But again, you know, people do things in different ways, yeah. Jen. And how I would have done it had I been hands-on still involved is very different to when you're asked for advice. And you, you can imagine I'm quite vocal and I often speak out and I say what I think, but then the other side has to be happy to listen. Whereas if I was more involved in the business, I think, because I would have been right, pain probably, but <laughs> but I would have been I would have been happier that the transition could have been a more pleasant experience. And that's such a hard thing, isn't it? That they bought you and they they have a vision with how they want to have which the is great. business, which, which is, is great. great. Yeah. But then you also have your employees that have been doing yeah. things a certain way. Some that's of them right. for, do you have Long anyone years. who's been there for 30, 40 years? No, no, 25, I think, or maybe 27 now. But even... It's a Five long years, time. ten years, it's a long time. And they, not everybody adapts to change. No. So it's not the new owner's fault that some people no, just no. can't change because they're so used to doing things yeah. in a certain way. But equally, you know, the, the way of managing a new team of people, I mean, and it's a people it's business. Hard. Yeah. It's a people business. Your people are your greatest asset. So, you know, if, if, I, if I had my time again, I would certainly have done that differently. And when... When the deal was finalised, what 
because you had that business for 40 years. Mm, How 38 or 37. Thir- 37, yeah. so 37 yeah. years. Yeah. How did it feel, like, when the, the ink was there on the contract? Well, I can't give too much away, but it actually got signed by DocuSign at 23.59, on the 31st of December 2020. So... <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> it was a very strange New Year's Eve, well, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. And I think I would perhaps give advice to people also that negotiating to sell something that you are so emotionally invested in, it's very difficult. And it wasn't what I would call a pleasant experience. And because of the methodology of the way that I was used to working, and the methodology of a corporate, it was a quite quite a clash. Yeah. So, but leaving the company, and I didn't feel I was leaving because with the people, I was still going in. I mean, I did travel immediately because my mother wasn't well, which was which is where the mistake was made. I should have said no. Actually, I'm not coming out of the business, and I'm going to go go and do this trip, and then I'm coming back because then it was COVID and and travel and what oh, have you. All yeah, of a sudden, yeah, became yeah. anyway, whatever. We we got all through that, but then I I did. Um, and still do to a certain extent. I'm in contact with people all the time because they've been like family. Yeah. And you know, we I knew everybody's um, situation, and so you don't you can't just walk away. I mean, just because you're not necessarily doing business, you can't just yeah. leave people. And did you when when you went through that deal? Did you have somebody representing you? Yes, or? I did, and okay. that is essential. So you absolutely didn't do it essential. Well, but of course you have to answer questions and you have to make decisions. There's a huge amount of decisions. And the paperwork, good <laughs> Lord. And, and equally, I would have expected... The legal process was unnecessarily burdensome for all people involved. I would, have, I would say that the whole sector needs to be simplified. It's unnecessarily heavy. Wow. And so that's... That adds so much more emotional oh, burden to it as well. Painful. Yeah. Painful. So after you did that, you're a woman who can't stand still because you've got so many other things going on at the same time. One project that you're involved in is um, bringing direct debit yeah. to the UAE. Well, that started in Estico. That Emir Bhatt, who is the founder of Direct Debit Systems, came to me and said he has got the system to be able to, to write into our software to be able to accept rental payments by Direct Debit. And, of course, this is what I've been waiting for forever. Yeah, rather than... Totally embraced it. Because I guess for people who are listening as well, because um, we have people all over the world, that this might seem strange to them. Like three years ago, four yeah. years ago, everything was by check. Check. And and, and 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 you can imagine also the amount of as a property management company and even from a tenant, the amount of time and effort yeah. to write down all those checks, make sure the checks are actually properly properly written, and people get tired. So by the time you get to the tenth check or the twelfth check, the signature doesn't match. Um, then you have to do the administration of doing the receipt. Then every time the check's due, you have to take it from the safe, and you, so you've got to file it, and then you've got to be able to do the paying-in slip, and then some poor soul called Madhu goes off and pays it into the bank. Then we have to wait, and because the banks don't like receiving 
maybe 30, 40, 50, maybe 100 checks on a day. So then, then they, these <laughs> poor guys have to wait until the end of the day because there are so many checks being banked. Oh, goodness. And then once they'd been banked, the result of the banking had to be recorded. I did it clear, did it not clear, whatever. Yeah. Oh, and uh, so the amount of time as a property manager handling checks or payments for rent is just enormous. So I invested in the business, which I'm pleased I did, but actually our system, it was written into Estate Man, which was the Estico software, which, again, if I had my time again, I would have negotiated to keep that software because it is the best. Yeah. And it was something that, as part of the sale, is a very important part of the IP of the business because it is superb software. But because in the early version, payments had to bounce through our sponsoring bank, Mm. Lending banks weren't prepared to accept that. They wanted the money to go directly to them, which is all a bit strange, really, because nobody's physically going to actually be taking any of the money. Anyway, but now the system is integrated and direct the transactions directly with central bank. So there's no middle party. It's straightforward. We only did our first transaction in um, September. Well, we trialled it previously, but now it's functioning properly. And the reason that that also takes time is because it's a fully paper-free um, process. So we are integrated with UAE Pass, or UAE Pass is integrated with us, I don't know which way around you do it, so that everything is done on the app and the merchant can invite their payee to complete the form on the app, and that's so good. it. And, the, you know, there are lots of, of advantages from a contractual standpoint because for landlords particularly and insurance companies mm -hmm. and people schools, when they have a contract with someone to actually make payments, by having a pull system as opposed to the push system, which is yeah. so common with most of the payment yeah. apps, it gives the... Um, landlord or the school or the, the merchant some confidence that actually they will collect the money on a regular basis Correct, yeah. it's not that you have to go to the app every month and say oh yes I'm going to pay it this month or not which is just yeah. doesn't work and it, it's funny because it's been so common in other markets Absolutely. for years like um, the UK forever yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I think that that's one thing that's really interesting mm. is that finally after so many years that that technology yeah. is here and i think for a even for businesses as well it's going to make things so much easier if i think about how much we even at female fusion pay for credit card fees yes um yes that's an important saving right because it's a fixed fee that is regulated um so that's how that works and it yeah. is it can make merchants or save merchants and landlords anybody who receives payments through credit especially card especially if it's bigger yes bigger large amounts, amounts as of well course. right makes a big difference yeah yeah, yeah. So and we're bank agnostic because your bank possibly can offer you a direct debit system but it's not bank agnostic and they don't have the reconciliation um, facility that we have. Which is what you need. Ability that if we you're have. running well, a business. Because otherwise you don't know who's paid you. Oh my goodness, <laughs> if you didn't have that reconciliation. Well, yes. <laughs> what's the point of having that? Well, that seems... almost. That's it, because it takes you as long. But even right. with bank transfers and things like that, the number of vendors who say to me, oh, can you send me a screenshot when you made the payment? You think, oh, surely your systems can show you yeah. what... Uh, anyway, so with our Sadly, system... Sadly, no, a lot of times not, right? No, that's right. Yeah. That's right. But the whole banking industry, the whole payment industry, which is uh, also extends into other businesses... I mean, if you look at property management as a business... With the right technology, 
And I believe that in the future, a lot of, um, of, of the process of property management, but more specifically brokerage, will be done online. Yeah, as it should be, right? I think so. You know, whether, gonna... and again, I did try to, to um, promote the use of um, auctioning property. Because, I, again, of course it, that could be done it would online, be so right? much more straightforward. Yeah. All of the information, all the due diligence will be available online. So when you do go to, to buy a property, you can, you can understand exactly what it is because it's contractually obligated. You need to know mm. who's building on the plot next door, what the building regulations are. Will the apartments or has the property that's been built, are there any issues with it? Yeah. So by bidding online will also give the true market price. Mm. So many things that are possible with the digital yeah. economy now. Yeah. And yeah. it's so important that all businesses, whether you're big businesses or small businesses, really look at how they yeah. can bring that into. It's vital. Yeah. Vital. And that means that the companies can grow, but you can take on more business without having to take on more people. Right. <laughs> you know, so because the key, I guess, to success is going to be best use of technology and best customer service. Yeah. Because if you don't have those two ingredients, you are lost. Right. I, and I had a conversation with the business owner the other day and they were saying to me, uh, will we accept payments in cash only? And I was, my reaction was the same as yours. I was like, what do you mean only in cash? She's like, yeah, no, we want cash because that's a guaranteed payment. And I said to her, don't you realize how much business you're losing? losing. Like if somebody told me it was a cash payment, yeah. I would go somewhere else because yeah. I don't have cash. No, I don't, don't want to cash. I don't want to no. go to the cash machine. No. Cash is dirty, no. all of this sort of stuff. <laughs> if I can't pay digitally and if you're not going to send me a link to do it, I'm going to go somewhere else. Yeah. And I found it was really interesting that still there's some people who haven't bought into the digital economy as a as a business owner. It's very surprising because yeah. it can only be a matter of time when cash will go. Of course. Because if you look at India, and I don't think anybody has cash there anymore, it is everybody's doing their payments through phone and it's yeah. instant payment systems. Yeah. You know, they've got very fast-moving, excellent um, yeah. banking systems. So. And Africa has been the same for a long time, hasn't it? Right, that people yeah. receive their money and make their payments off their yeah. phones. So to be wanting to use cash in this day and age seems... And I think COVID cured most of us right? from cash, didn't yeah. it? Because as you say, we couldn't go to the bank anyway, didn't yeah. want to touch it. So... Um, well, this is like my big drive. And actually, one of the things that MasterCard, who's one of our partners in Female Fusion, has been amazing about is mm. that trying to help people understand that technology in your business is a really good thing. Mm. And it's going to make your life easier. It's going to make things quicker. Like, couldn't you imagine, like, rather than cash, you're going to have that money in your bank account yeah. right yeah. away or That's within right. a week That's if it's right. credit card payment. Mm. Mm. Yeah, And again, you know, it's a funny old world, isn't it? It's much better if everything is done in a way that it can be tracked and seen. And, yes. You know, I mean, I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of people who think, no, 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 it's, it's curtailing our freedom and privacy and all this. But, uh, Makes it easier when you have to have your accounts audited Absolutely. every year. <laughs> <laughs> now as well, like I think about that, like as a business owner, what's going to make it easier for the audit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> those, you know, that going through those, those are so yeah. soul destroying. Yeah. That I just want everything digital so they can find that's it. Right. And that's right. So much it. easier. Yeah, you know, it really is. And it's 
it's so interesting, like going from 1980, how business was then, so to how it is Can you today, imagine? right? We didn't even have, well, we didn't have mobile phones. Yeah. They introduced those dreadful bleeper things once. I said, oh, no, I'm not having one of those. Pagers. You would be like a dog. That's right, a pager. I said, yeah. I'm not going to be summoned by a bleeper. No, no, a pager. No, I didn't, so I didn't accept that. And the first mobile phones, of course, were those um, the Motorola blocks. Yeah. <laughs> and the ones you'd carry in the briefcase. Almost. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but things change. Yeah. I mean, it's actually, if you look at my work, I started work in 1975 um, when I worked for Rolls-Royce in the UK. I left school at 16. And did my uh, college education as day release, so NCH and C in business studies. I had such fun at Rolls-Royce. That was a whole thing. But if you imagine from the time that I started work through to now, the evolution of the way people work. Well, I suppose there'll be others who've worked for 50 years who would have the same sentiment. But I think I've probably worked in one of the most exciting periods of time. We've watched such... Yes dynamic changes in the way we do things but still people respect most important treat people with respect do do unto others as you would have done unto yourself there we go customer service it's right it's what it's all about and it, it uh, i agree with you it, it doesn't matter what decade or whatever it was that it comes That's down right. to how you treat people, people. and also, I think your integrity yeah. and your yeah. your ethics as well. Mm. As I've been, so I'm, I've been a business owner for over 20 years mm. now. Mm. So not as experienced mm. as you are, but I really see and I really value more than anything now integrity and want to only work with people that have integrity. And I don't know if you found this in your mm. journey that I found that I got to a point where it was like, if I don't feel that they're aligned with my mm. values, I just say no. Mm. I'm not. I'm not interested in chasing money to work with yeah. somebody who isn't going to be aligned with where I am. Mm. Mm. Well, it's interesting because obviously along the way I've met some interesting people, of course. and there are there have been disappointments. There've yeah. been people that you would have expected to behave better. But that's life and we learn from it and we just teach our children and say to ourselves that's how we don't behave. Yeah. I mean one of the one of the things I love about you, Elaine, is that you are just such a honest, genuine, kind person. Try to be. And I see this in business sometimes that there's well, and we see it on social media, mm. right? That mm. there's a lot of people being like peacocks and mm. showing off and yeah my beautiful feathers mm, and my mm. business is so great and look at my clothes and look at my expensive cars and that that doesn't make you a successful entrepreneur at all it's the person you are yeah that's what makes you successful yeah and and being kind is important but it's, it, it all comes down to that respect doesn't it respect yeah mm. Respect for yourself, respect for your employees, your clients, your That's customers. Right. That's right. Your community yeah. as well. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. No, it's hugely important. I think sometimes so that people have forgotten about that. Well, right? I think so. But it, it is a different world. And a lot of people's homes aren't what they were. Mm. internationally there's so much trouble and strife 
that here in such a mixed society also we engage with people who've lost everything in their home country or come from um, a nation of so many people that they actually have to fight for position. Yeah. Which brings you all the way back to me in 1980. There were so few people. I didn't really have many people in the way that you would call competitors. Yeah. And so I had opportunities that if I looked at a youngster today who's come from one of those countries where their families lost everything, their mindset will be very different. Mine was, I had great stability. And so I could move forward, I could take risks. I didn't, I never had to fight dirty. And maybe I would have been more financially successful if I did. But that's Possibly. not my way. Yeah. But aren't I lucky that I never had to? And I think if we look at, and after COVID as well, and just life generally, you know, again, generationally, my father would have worked for the same company, and he did for his entire career. It was a family business, but 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 people used to do the same job or yeah. work with the same people forever. Since 2008, 2009, that changed dramatically. And whilst people had invested in businesses, committed themselves, were loyal to the business, all of a sudden money was more important. And on the one hand, and I know I had to do this, I had to cut staff, and I would say I have to make these decisions to protect the majority. Yeah. That's a hard, that's oh, a hard thing to do. Very, though. very. Yeah. You know, so... On the one hand, so difficult decisions have to be made and you have to take them because it's to do with survival and survival of the core. But I think, you know, there are a lot of people who went to university, studied, went to university, had a career and were so let down in 2009 when they thought that they had joined some of the big international companies and they would have a career and they would be there forever. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, well, no, actually, we have to let you go because last in, first out. So we've got a lot of pockets or groups of people who've come through different world events that through no fault of their own have compromised their career opportunity and growth. Yeah. Life's very hard for some people it's, and, and, and others are very lucky and if you don't appreciate how lucky you are, you're doing a disservice to those who've suffered. So I think, you know, respecting the problem that people have had and making allowances for situations that people are in is, is what we need to do. It's very wise. Well, in part, that's because one of my children is in a competitive sport and the competitive world is wicked. Yeah. It's so tough that it helps me understand that there are so many people who are who have great ambition but their industry is ruthless so again we learn and Absolutely. as long as we learn from these things 
Well, that's important, right? Is mm. that learning yeah. and looking at that experience and saying, what can I take from that to do better? Yeah, yeah, that's it exactly. Yeah. That's it exactly. What, so you, you've made so much impact across so much of, especially in the UAE. What, what legacy would you like to leave behind? Well, I think that the importance of what I did was give an opportunity to people to grow and now they will take their opportunities and give other people those opportunities with integrity, treat people with respect and now there are more people doing the same thing because many of them will say that their years to Stico were the best years and now it's down to them to replicate that same yeah. experience elsewhere. I probably should have started in the Stico alumni, and I'm, I'm not at liberty to do that now. But but actually, the number of good people that I worked with who can give that same message of treating one another with respect, working hard, with integrity. Yeah. So I have a lot of people who, who I've worked with who I hope will now spread that same message. Amazing. Mm. And that's what the world needs more People like that mm -hmm. in business to yeah. lead with integrity and kindness Absolute. and Absolutely. inclusivity. Yeah. yeah, 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 that's right. Elaine, thank you so much for my your pleasure. wisdom today. <laughs> thank you very much. It's Welcome. been my pleasure. Good. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the podcast. If you want to be on top of the numbers in your business, why not download Female Fusion's SME dashboard? It is the exact dashboard that we use in Female Fusion to track all of our numbers, the financial numbers, the marketing numbers, customer service numbers. It really helps us stay on top of everything in the business. As I say, you can't grow what you don't know. So if you'd like to grab it, we've included a link in the show notes, or you can go to femalefusionnetwork.com forward slash SME hyphen dashboard. Now that might be a bit complicated, so just hop on over to the show notes and you can grab it from there.